0: 7.48am, you're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana Shauning and Keith. Now, China's celebration of the Lunar New Year is a week-long festivity, but also known as the world's largest annual migration. As the second celebration post-COVID restrictions, there was a remarkable resurgence in tourism revenues during the holiday period, surpassing pre-pandemic levels with a striking 47.3% surge in domestic tourism spending, totaling a substantial 632.7 billion yuan, or about 88 billion US dollars.
1: However, the sustainability of this travel boom remains uncertain as revenue per trip has not fully rebounded to pre-pandemic levels. Meanwhile, foreign direct investments into China saw its smallest increase, increase since the early 1990s, totaling $33 billion last year. And given these challenges, how will China address these economic hurdles while striving for growth and stability in the post-pandemic landscape?
0: For some thoughts on this and what's ahead for China's economic landscape post-Lunar New Year, we have on the line with us tommy Sie, head of asia macro research at ocbc bank tommy good morning it's still i think we can still wish you a happy uh, lunar new year yeah uh, let's talk about china and their uh, surge in tourism revenues it experienced a 47.3 percent on year surge during the lunar new year holidays this is even higher than 2019 levels does this affect how much does this boost the overall economic outlook
1: Yes. Hi. Uh, good morning, uh, all. So I think overall that's a very uh, encouraging numbers. I would say, but as just now as mentioned, I think there are still a couple of challenges ahead. So I think one of the challenges you uh, look at the uh, spending per capita, right? I think this number actually declined uh, as compared to the pre-pandemic levels. So other than that, I think we're also seeing, um, you know. Over the past one to two years, we are seeing some kind of the discrepancy uh, between the prosperity of the holiday spending and the subdued overall consumption trends. While the recent surge during the Spring Festival offers uh, kind of the glimmer of hope, it has yet to confirm a sustained rebound in the effective demand. So I think the trajectory of the future consumption will depend on the restoration of the something we call the endogenous economic momentum, which in turn will depend on the policy implementations. I guess that will be still very important. So eventually it's down to the effective demand. But so far, I think uh, we still don't have a very concrete evidence regarding this effective demand. Tommy, although tourism revenues increased during China's uh, uh, spring festival holidays, why are there concerns about the sustainability of this growth given the country's economic challenges? Uh, yes, I think there is a couple of uh, challenges ahead. I think, for example, people are still uh, worried about the you know the policy direction. I think right now what we are seeing in China is still uh, some kind of the confidence crisis. I think people are questioning about the policy consistency. I think this is something actually uh, China need to address. In particular, we know China is facing some kind of the structural challenges. For example, we are seeing the downturn of the property uh, you know uh, cycles. Uh, even though I mean during the Chinese New Year everything is quite 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 good but with the exception of the property purchase right I think the overall the property activity during the Chinese New year is still quite slow as compared to the you know same similar period in the past few years so therefore I think uh, people are still looking for the answers how can China address uh, those kind of the structural challenges I think yet uh, we are still waiting for the answers I think I think that's the part uh, I guess where the concern uh, is from
2: Okay, so exactly that, right? On Sunday, China refrained from lowering a key policy rate. But do you expect any stimulus signs ahead of this key annual legislative session in March where development goals and growth targets are usually announced?
1: Uh, yes, I think uh, there's two things we can wait wait for uh, for the next two weeks. I mean, the first thing I'm actually personally waiting for is whether China is going to cut the, uh, we call the long prime uh, rates. So one of the important benchmark rate for the overall funding costs. So I think even though China didn't really uh, lower the MF rates, as you mentioned on Sunday, but I think the chance for China to lower the long prime rates is still there. I think if that's the case, I think that will help, you know uh, you know, to boost some kind of the market confidence. So, other than that, I think another important thing is uh, we are also waiting for the potential we call the third plenum meeting of the twentieth uh, central committee because we know uh, China has the central committee every five years. So this this year, uh, this the next five years is that we call the twentieth central committee. So the third plenum of the central committee usually is quite important because it will set the uh, you know economic agenda for the next five to ten years. So far, I think this part is still missing. In fact. Uh, the third should sure, already happened, you know, last year, but that didn't really happen. So I think uh, there is a hope, you know, we might have this meeting uh, towards the end of the February. So that may also give some kind of a color to the market. Mm. What China's plan for the next five to ten, ten years? So I think that that's that, this is something actually we are actually waiting for as well.
2: So hypothetically, Tommy, what do you think the government could then do to actually jumpstart the economy? Because it seems maybe crisis is too strong a word, but to restore confidence in the market.
1: Mm. Yes, I think if you want to restore the confidence, I think a couple of things uh, China can consider. Uh, number one, of course, monetary policy. I think because we know uh, in China the real interest rate is still high, even though China has already lowered the nominal interest rate, but because we know China is facing the kind of the challenge of the deflation, that's why the real interest rate is high. So, one of the ways to bring down the real interest rate by, by lowering the nominal interest rate. I mean, the second thing is also um, fiscal policy, right? Because I think China has the room in terms of the central government uh, borrowing cap- uh, cap- capability. So, I think if China can still remain quite proactive in terms of, of the fiscal policy, that is important. Number three, I think how China China can set the tone in terms of the, you know, uh, policy consistency uh, in terms of to, to ensure the market, you know, China is still uh, open for business. Mm. It's still open for the reform and opening. I think that's something is also very important. So I think those are the thing to me is an important combination uh, to ensure a, a more sustainable long-term growth prospects.
0: I mean, we see the uh, figure that China recorded its lowest annual foreign direct investment since the 1990s. I'm wondering, Tommy, is there any short term uh, measures that you think would excite uh, foreign investors to return? Or is this trend going to be what we see moving forward as everyone waits to see whether China can actually kickstart its economic recovery?
1: Okay, um, I think that's an interesting part. You know, when we talk about the FDI, right, I think there's a lot of misperception here. So I just want to use the opportunity to address uh, this misperception. So when we talk about the foreign direct investment in China, there's actually two sets of different data. Hmm. So the data right now, uh, in the offshore market, a lot of people talk about the 33 billion. So this data was under the we call the balance of payment. Right. So, so another data set we, we came from the Ministry of Commerce. So which we are tracking on the monthly basis in terms of the FDI. So right now what happened is under the balance of payment, the FDI declined very dramatically. However, if you look at the you know the Ministry of Commerce data, mm. so this number is still relatively stable, I would say. So I think if you look at the twenty twenty three, so we roughly have about one point one trillion Inflows. I mean, renminbi, uh from the foreign direct investment. I mean, that, that number was down about eight percent as compared to 2022, but it's still a very high number, 1.1 trillion, right? Mm-hmm. So this is much higher than 33 billion as reported under the BOP. So the question is where the discrepancy came from. I think there's two reasons. I mean, first of all, I think the MOC that which is ministry of commerce number was the broad concepts, where the uh, BOP is the net concept. And also in terms of the accounting, uh, it, it's quite different in terms of the statistics. So uh, to put the story, uh, you know, long story short, I guess this decline kind of the FDI we saw under the BOP, partially also because of the uh, yield pressure, right? It's kind of the, because now the China rates is very low, and the U.S. rates is m- more expensive. So there's m- not much cross-border uh, shareholder loan, and the people, especially for a lot of foreign companies, they prefer uh, borrowing a be in the offshore market rather than bringing in the dollar, right? So I think this caused the decline of the FDI. So I would say so far, based on the Ministry of Commerce number, the FDI number still stable. But of course, there's still more China can do to ensure the, the foreign investors, you know, China is still open for business. The policy is consistent. You know, I think this is something definitely China need to focus on in terms of how they can communicate with investors. How can, how, how can they make sure that seek the clarity of their policy. I think this, to me, is very important going forwards.
2: Now, Tommy, there are expectations that Donald Trump will be back in the White House come November. And so far, he has mentioned that he might be implementing 60% trade tariffs on China. What are the implications of this?
1: Well, this to me is <laughs> could be quite bad for yeah. China. So yeah, I mean, sixty percent is really unprecedented. So if they are really going to impose the 60 percent, for example, on all the imports, I think that is, literally is going to kill off the uh, you know the U.S.-China trade. But of course. I don't think China is the only victim. I think the U.S. consumer will be the victim as well because I think you're simply going to uh, reflate everything, right? Uh, the U.S. is going to buy from China. But I think the other alternative is maybe you're basically try to uh, force the Chinese company to expand overseas. They may actually accelerate their plan to invest in the region or invest in Mexico, for, for example. I think there's one of the interesting number if we, we can mention is that if you look at the China's uh export to the US. So that number has declined quite dramatically for the past you know 4 or 5 years. But if you combine the China's export to ASEAN, China's export to Mexico, China's export to US, that number didn't really change much. So in other words, we might see China may- maybe just redirect some kind of export via ASEAN or Mexico uh, to the US. So I think that's could be one of the implications. But anyway, I think it should be good news for ASEAN in general. Hmm. So we should expect more and more Chinese company Expanding to this region, to open the factory, to increase their production in the region. I think that's something uh, is is something good for the region. I would say.
0: All right, Tommy, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was Tommy Sia, head of Asia Macro Research at OCBC Bank, giving us his take on the outlook for China's economy in this post-lunar New Year period. 7.59 in the morning, we're going to head into the 8 a.m. News Bulletin. And after that, on The Breakfast Grill, Keith Kham speaks to Dr. Michael Jayakumar-Devaraj, Chairman of Party Socialist Malaysia, or PSM. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9.